Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Mortgage Lending Mastery. Get the knowledge you need from America's Mortgage Mentor. With more than 30 years of experience and over $1 billion in lifetime fundings, you'll learn to take your mortgage practice to new heights. Certified Mortgage Planner and CEO of KineticSparkConsulting.com. Here is Jennifer Duplessis. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Mortgage Lending Mastery. I'm your host, Jen Duplessis, and today I have with me um, Stacey Alcorn, who is um, an author, a blogger, an entrepreneur, a startup expert, a keynote speaker, my goodness, all these wonderful things. But more importantly, um, Stacey is the owner of the fourth largest real estate firm in Massachusetts called the um, Lawler, Lawler, right? How do I get, Lair, Lair, Lair. Yeah. there we go, <laughs> Lair Real Estate, real estate Firm. Um, she has more than 270 real estate agents in her um, company, so she um, is going to enlighten us on a few things, and um, so I'm really excited to have you. Welcome to our podcast, Stacey. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be on. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the first things we want to talk about, we're going to really have two sort of segments here. Um, the first is uh, talking about what you do uh, to help people grow their business. And I know that you are the author of the book called Reach. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, I'd like to talk about that first. And the second part we'll talk about is about relationships with real estate agents and lenders and, and some insight that you can give us there. So first thing I'd like to ask you is, um, you know, if you could just tell us a little bit about your history and how you got here. Yes. So I actually came from the mortgage world. I started in mortgages in the early 1990s. I had to figure out a way to pay my way through school. And I ended up landing a job as a copy machine girl at a local <laughs> mortgage company. I so remember I sniffed, yeah, I basically sniffed toner 40 to 50 hours a week um, in between classes. So uh, basically copied mortgage packages full-time for about two years. And during that time, and I was going to school at night, etc., during that time, the 203K rehab mortgage had come out for the first yep. time. And the company was looking for somebody that would just process 203K rehabs. And none of the processing staff was interested in it. So I raised my hand and said, I'll, I'll process 203Ks. So still in college at the time, I started as a full-time 203K mortgage processor. And I'm very thankful that I did that because I learned how the program worked. And I was roughly 19 or 20 years old when I bought my first rehab property. Because originally when that mortgage program came out, it was open to both investors and owner-occupants. Prices were very inexpensive. You had to put a 10% down payment. You could roll in all the rehab costs, etc. So I bought my first property when I was 19 or 20. I flipped it, and I ended up putting myself all the way through business school by flipping real estate using the 203K rehab mortgage. I flipped about 25 properties. Wow. So that's, that was my 
accidental entrance into the mortgage world and eventually the real estate world um, through the 90s uh, into 2000s. I built a massive, I eventually became a loan officer and built a massive mortgage business um, assisting real estate agents in Massachusetts. Eventually bought my first real estate office in 2000 and um, have been building real estate companies since 2000. Originally, my sole purpose for buying real estate companies was I wanted to continue to build my mortgage business. I ended up selling my own mortgage company, selling it off when all of the mortgage um, licensing changed, etc., and have been concentrating just on building the real estate empire um, for about the last seven or eight years. And in between all that, I eventually got my law degree, so I have a small uh, real estate closing firm. But my big business is real estate and helping real estate agents thrive throughout New England. Okay, awesome. Thank you for sharing. That's really interesting. And of course, I can um, today, ironically, while you and I are talking, it's March 1st. Uh, today is my 34th anniversary in mortgage lending. Wow, and, um, that's amazing. Yeah. I know, that's crazy. Um, yeah, so I, I mean, I, it was funny. I came in the office today and I got uh, had a couple cards here, you know, for people saying, yes. congratulations, it's great. Um, wow. So I certainly can understand the days of the copy machine and having a person yes. to copy files, you know, and making seven, yes. packa- seven copies of a package. Mm-hmm. It was hilarious. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I think that, you know, your history is well-rounded and, um you know, I know that, that uh, you've been through the ups and downs and the turbulence that we have all had, you know, and experienced in this industry for, you know, several years. So um, one of the things that you that you talk about is part of your message is uh, talking about the small everyday successes. So I imagine that that has something to do with your tenure, you know, and having that sustainability in the industry. So could you talk about um, how you implement and what some of these small um, everyday successes are to help you reach to those greater greater achievements and accomplishments? Yeah, basically what I talk about in my book is that reach is has two different meanings. Reach is, number one, going after a massive dream, but reach is also has a second meaning, which is building a massive army of advocates who are as committed to helping you achieve your dream as you are. So those are the two definitions of reach in my book. Um, as for the piece about going after a massive dream, I like to share with people that when you're going after a massive dream, sometimes those dreams are so big that we get discouraged, that it seems so far away from what we want that it's easy to give up. So each and every one of us is proof that we are capable of doing all kinds of very hard things in our lives. So when your goal seems really far away, try to focus on the little steps the little teeny steps that you can do each day, because if you take one small step each day, eventually you're going to end up at your goal. And on the days that your goal seems so far away, think about the accomplishments that got you to where you are. In fact, the reason I wrote my book, Reach, is because um, when when I graduated from high school, I applied to all these colleges because that's what my friends were doing. I always knew I wanted to build empires. I knew I was going to be a business owner. And when I graduated from high school, all my friends were going off to college. I had no plan. I said I might as well apply to college as well. 
I applied to all these schools and I was declined by all of them because I oh never created a strategy as to how I would actually get into mm-hmm. school. I never really concentrated on grades or anything like that. So I took baby steps. I started by getting myself enrolled into a community college and then getting a job so I could figure out a way to pay for my community college and then started from there I applied I got great grades because now I had a strategy to go after a bigger dream and got into a business school in the area and so the point is for every single one of us it's great to have a massive dream and I think everybody should your dream should be so big it scares you but you are your own evidence of the possibility like you need to realize all the little things you've done along the way, the big accomplishments you've made by taking small steps and lean on those when you're going after the big dream and it seems far away. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, to piggyback on that, uh, you know, it's this, it's this whole sense of gratitude. You know, we always have, uh, or a lot of people uh, say, when this happens, I'll lose weight. When, you right. know, that happens, I'll lose weight or I'll, I'll um, achieve, you know, my goals. I'll buy a house. And right. uh, we fail to look at, you know, where we're standing right now and um, mm-hmm. be grateful for those. Okay, so wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that. So in addition to that, uh, we talk about the naysayers. And, and you and I were talking just a little bit offline here that, you know, what I see a lot of um, as it relates to this reach about these big, massive goals is that a lot of people, um, just generally, um, don't feel that they can reach those big goals because of their own limiting beliefs, but also the naysayers around them. So how can we, how can we sort of put blinders on to the naysayers? Um, I mean, and sometimes there are spouses, right? So we can't really put complete blinders on. But mm-hmm. how how do we kind of get tune them out? How, what what kind of advice do you have there in tuning them out so that we can reach these massive goals? I would say you can tune them out or use them as gasoline to power your engine. I will say that I am a very firm believer that we are the average of the people we spend the most time with. So in general, when I think about my own circle of people that I spend the most time with, I definitely steer clear of people that I feel like bring me down or tell me I can't do things. Uh So um, number one, you just got to weed them out and spend less time with the people who just bring you down. They're not encouraging you, not telling you to go after big dreams. Um, The other important piece of it is always be meeting new people and expanding your circle. So I do that, and I'll talk in a few minutes about it, but I interview people in order to expand my circle and my sphere of influence. It's something I've been doing for most of my life. But I go out and interview two to three people a week and uh, in order to write about them and learn from them. And I will say that my circle of friends is ever-changing. And many of the, my closest friends are people who I pinpointed in my marketplace. So CEOs, business leaders, celebrities like people that inspire me, I reach out and ask them if I can interview them. And many of them have become my closest friends and advocates. So I definitely make sure that I am never surrounded by people that bring me down. I don't Uh listen to anybody that brings me down. Um, Now, you mentioned family. Now, I'll give you an example of family members because sometimes they're just looking to protect you. Um, I have... I joke around about it in the book 
uh, my mother is very, very different than me, doesn't take a lot of chances in life, kind of a homebody, which that's, she's very happy and I'm happy for her. I'm the opposite. I'm a risk taker. If somebody offers me an opportunity to do anything, I'll try it. Um, two years ago, I had an opportunity. Um, I was offered an opportunity to go to Haiti on a mission trip. And uh-huh. it sounded exciting to me. I'd get to go out and um, into like a third world country and volunteer my time. And so I signed up for this trip and my mother scared the living daylights out of me. She started sending me like, um, she started researching it and sending (laughs) emails about, oh, Americans are kidnapped all the time over there. And I ended up canceling the trip. And I was so mad at myself for an entire year. I'm like, I can't believe I let somebody else, another human being, even if it's my mother who I love, I am so mad that I let somebody else instill fear in me. And then a year later, I signed up for the trip again, and I ended up going, and it was life-changing. So anytime I have somebody uh, tell me that I can't or shouldn't or tries to bring me down, I try to remember my Haiti trip. And I'm like, that was one of the most amazing experiences I ever had in my entire life. And it almost didn't happen because I allowed somebody else to tell me what I shouldn't, right. should or That's shouldn't an, do. That's an excellent story. And I love that you didn't make the story part of, you know, you know, achieving certain volume numbers and things like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a very good analogy for it. Oh. Uh, thank you for sharing that. Um, so oh. lastly on this topic, um, focusing on constructive energy. Um, and, I, you know, it's funny because as you were talking, I wrote down compliment versus complicate. And, you know, I really try to work with people and associate myself with people who compliment me in whatever mm-hmm. capacity, either personally, professionally, emotionally, um, yeah. versus complicate me. Uh, yeah. And I, I, try to steer, yeah, I try to steer away from to the, uh, those people as much as I can, including clients. You know, if I think a yeah. client's going to complicate my, uh, my whole system, you know, recognizing that right. my team is my number one client. Yes. Because if I'm bringing on clients and referral partners who are nasty and complicate things, right, mm-hmm. uh, they're going to look Absolutely. at me and say, what is wrong with you? Why are you allowing yes. that to happen? So they're, you know, my best client. So talk to us about constructive energy and how we can focus on that on a daily basis. Yeah. So I, I everything you just said, I 100% agree with. In building my real estate company, um, I, have, um, I have had some agents, that have worked for me in the past, very high-producing agents who make the company a lot of money and brought us a lot of sales volume, and I reintroduced them to the real estate market, basically saying, go find another place to work because they brought down the entire energy of an office. Uh, I'm a huge believer. I mean, some of my favorite mentors are like Wayne Dyer and Esther Hicks and... Um, Gabrielle Bernstein, and they talk a lot about the power of energy that is all around us, including Mm -hmm. all the people that we attract into our lives. And I'm a very big believer in manifestation because I've manifested amazing things throughout my life. But you have to really focus on surrounding yourself with really positive energy Um, An example of this, I went through a big transition just recently, 
And basically, it was a buyout of my business partner who I'd been with for 14 years. And it was like a shock to my entire company. I have 450 agents who I had to announce that my business partner is no longer part of the company overnight. And the events leading up to his departure were very negative. This is even before my company knew that he was no longer here. It was a very negative situation. So I was waking up every day, like, just dreading the day and how do I get out of bed? It's like I can't get through it. But what I did do is, first of all, I'll say during that 30-day period, because I was in such a negative mental state, I started attracting a lot of other negative stuff. And people yeah. might think that it's not related, but it's it totally related. Like, I had my Chelmsford office building there was like this bizarre water main break and a huge sinkhole developed in in the parking lot and we had flood basements but like every day it was something else and um i was attracting a lot of negative stuff and it was my own negative thoughts were creating more negative stuff around me so i had a, a previously scheduled trip to nevis that I almost canceled because I was so negative and I'm like, this is the worst time to be leaving on a trip. And I said, you know what, I'm going to just do it. So I went on the trip. It was just four days. And I brought all my most important books like Wayne Dyer, The Power of Intention. I meditated for those four days and I came back and I've been kicking ass ever since. Like I got my mind and my energy back to where it needed to be. And now, anytime I feel like there's negative stuff going on in my life, I, I really focus on listening to positive um, audible books, positive YouTube videos, because I know the power of our minds that something bad happens to you really quickly that can spiral out of control and create uh -huh. lots of bad stuff for you. But the opposite is true. Uh -huh. Just as quickly as bad things can happen, if you can shift your energy and focus on the good stuff and focus on gratitude, you begin manifesting miracles all around you. And the good stuff can manifest just as quickly as the bad stuff. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I wanted to share a couple of other quick books because one of them is The Secret. And if you've ever read that, yeah. you know, it's about, you know, that positive nature around you. So if you're, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, it's a, it's a very quick read. It's really good. It's called The Secret. But also, um, since you brought up about energy, have you ever um, read um, uh, information about Masuro Emoto and his water no. experiment. Okay, so basically what it is is he analyzed water from beautiful places and water from polluted places. And the water is sick and ugly in negative mm. places. And the water is absolutely gorgeous. These water crystals, um, you know, he froze all the water and then looked at it. And, you know, because our body is made up of so much water, um, mm -hmm. we do actually do that. And so if you think about the, um, uh, the Ghostbusters, the original Ghostbusters, when the toaster, they put the stuff in the toaster and it, you know, and they yelled at it and, yes. and it negative, it's the same concept. So, so what we tell ourselves 
what we believe and who we hang around with, you know, and who we associate with and the things that we pull into our ears or our eyes by watching TV and junk and news and whatever um, versus having those positive influences really does affect our body. But So if you have any interest in it and anybody's listening, yeah, it's um, E-M-O-T-O, Emoto. That's his last name. His first name is M-A-S-A-U. M-A-S-A-R-U. He is, um, he's a Japanese uh, scientist and that's what he found out about the, the effects of positive thoughts, the power of positive thoughts on, on our bodies. Wow. So anyway, yeah, I wanted to share that with you because uh, yeah, you brought that awesome. up and I thought, oh my gosh, I just yes. did, I have to share that. Um, thank you for sharing all those. That was re- really great. And you know, I can even hear it in your voice. You just, you know, you're not going to, just get out of my way, you know, get out of my, right. hear me roar, lair. Right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, so let's move into real estate for a second, um, because those of us that are most of the people that are listening are um, loan officers. We have some yes. real estate agents, but you know, as we embark into 2017, we've just had an election, and you know, and, and everything's moving forward, and everyone's trying to figure out what's going to happen with our economy. And I recently just did a podcast with one of the major economists in the country, and and we know what's going to happen uh, with interest rates, so that's not so much importance. But I really would like to talk about what you're feeling and what you're seeing in your market um, as it relates to the relationship with loan officers, and I know this will get along into the interviewing process as well, but as it relates to loan officers, where do you see that uh, relationship going since you have been in the business, you know, almost as long as I have, um, you know, this, this, uh, um, for lack of a better word, an argue, argumentative kind of relationship that, that's always been there. It's very been, been kind of strenuous, you know, with loan officers being cats on a marble floor and, you know, saying, gimme, mm-hmm. gimme, gimme, and realtors saying, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm a listing agent. Don't come to me and right. hoping that no one would call, you know, figure out another avenue to get to them. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, and so and I think most of us are, uh, that are listening into this podcast are, are not going to be doing that. Um, because either they're new and they're hearing what I have to say about it and they won't be doing it or they're, they've been experienced mm-hmm. and they say, you know, we're past it. So um, where do you see those relationships going and what, what are some hints and tips you could give us to creating real strong, um, uh, strong relationships? I don't like the word deeper relationships. I don't think that's yeah. a solid way to say it. Just strong relationships with just a few real estate agents. Yes. So having built a mortgage business first, I'll tell you, first of all, I built my mortgage empire the same exact way I'm building my real estate empire. I remember in mid-1995, roughly, um, I had decided to transition from processing to mortgages, and the market was not great at the time. And I remember my manager telling me, you're crazy for wanting to become a loan officer Hmm. because everybody else is trying to get your job because you get a paycheck every month and uh-huh. you're never going to make it because I was in my 20s. I had no sphere of influence. And I said, that's okay. I'm, I still want to try it. And the way that I infiltrated, within two years, I was the number one re- uh, mortgage originator at my company. And the way that I did it is I, I was given a territory and I know, I don't even know how company set it up now, but I was given like five towns where I could, I was allowed to go into real estate offices in those five towns. So number one, what I did is I made sure that I stopped by, I just, I would go in with my um, little branded rate sheets on a weekly basis to every single real estate company. And I would just pop in. I am not a high stress or 
um, high pressure salesperson, I would just go in, I'd have, I'd make my cute little rate sheets that were themed differently each week uh-huh. and I'd pop in and if anybody was there, I'd say hello. I'd even go into the companies back then, like the Cobalt Bankers, you weren't allowed past the front desk because they have their own right. mortgage people. That's fine. I'd still pop in and I'd chat with whoever happened to be in the lobby or chat with the receptionist and I'd drop off my stuff. That was one thing I did. The second thing I did is I started reaching out, asking people if I could interview them. So at the time, I had basically combined two different um, theories on building my mortgage business. Number one, I don't even know if he's still around, but I had read a book. I think his name was some like Greg Frost or something. Oh, yeah, he wrote he's a still book. around. Yeah, <laughs> he's still Frost around. Cross-selling the listing. I can't remember. Yeah. I can't believe that with my memory I actually remember the name of this yeah. book, but it yeah. was Cross-selling the Listing Agent, yep. and it was all about how to go after listing agent business. So I, um, I started reaching out to listing agents. I went after the biggest ones, um, the ones where my manager is like, you're never going to get that agent because they have, they've been in the business for 20 years and they're tied. And I, all I would do is reach out and say, I'd like to invite you to lunch. I want to interview you about your success. At the time, I didn't, there was no blog, so I had my own little newsletter. And I said, why don't I just um, interview you about how you became so successful? And I'll write an article in my newsletter and I'll share it with you so you can give it to your customers too. My fourth year in business, I closed, I know that it's different now, but I closed over 400 transactions because people eat it up. And even today, so I built a business by asking people to lunch, asking them all kinds of questions about themselves. It goes back to um, Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. I didn't go out and try to sell my mortgage programs or rates or closing costs. I went out and just started building relationships. So the caveat is you also have to be good at doing mortgages. So when mortgages started coming in, I was good at it. But I never stopped setting up breakfast and lunch almost every day with high-powered real estate agents. And during those meetings, I would spend 99% of the time asking them questions so I could write about a little article about them in my newsletter. And then... Very little. I'd say, here's my business card if you ever need help on a mortgage. Very low pressure. And all of a sudden, business started coming in. That has been the key to my success for literally 20 years now. Even today, as the owner of a real estate brokerage, I do the same exact thing. So I go out two to three times a week. My customer now that I'm going after is the CEO of large companies with 200 employees plus. So I go out and I'll find a CEO who I don't know. I'll reach out and say, my name is Stacey Alcorn. I'm interested in interviewing you about your success. Um, Do you have time for 30 to 45 minutes? I can come to your office. I I will write an article about you that you can share with your employees or your customers, etc. I go in, the 45-minute bonding session almost every time where I ask them a bunch of questions about who they are, where they came from, how they got in the business, their biggest struggles. I write Uh an article about them. I also leave a package and I say, oh, by the way, um, I own one of the largest real estate brands in New England and I'd love to be the preferred real estate partner of your company, whatever it is. I have a great marketing platform so that we can market to your 200 or 500 employees and I leave them a package and that's it. Most of these people end up becoming 
your friends because you're concentrating on building a relationship and they end up sending you business and you don't have to harass them or tell, remind them constantly what you do or tell them what your interest rates are, etc. They become your friends and they naturally start sending you business. That's awesome. Yeah, and it's just so simplistic. And, you know, the bottom line is when you are creating relationships, you are the most important thing about creating relationships is to learn about who the people are. We already know about the like, trust, and it, um, that they like you, they trust you, and they know you, right? But we don't ever get to that no part. It seems that it's all, um, you know, well, they know who what, they know what I do. They just don't know who I am. They know what I do. They, they should send me business because they know I'm a lender. But they, it really boils down to, and they may like you and say hi to you and all that good stuff, but they can't trust you unless they know you. And right. um, so, so the follow-up question, I have to that is, is there any point, um, and, and I know you're going to uh, CEOs of companies and things, but is there any point when you're doing this with just one-to-one where you're having a secondary and follow-up um, appointment where you're doing the same thing? You're able to share about you. Because um, I do sometimes think it's a two-way street. You know. It's almost always a two-way street. That's why you don't even, like when I set up the appointment, I typically don't even get into the fact that I'm in real estate. I always bring a package because this is typically how how it um, how the conversation goes. I'll, I'm sitting with a person, and I can't even tell you the number of businesses we've signed up as preferred um, mm-hmm. partners and also developers. So I go after big developers, same thing. But almost always. They'll, we'll be in the middle of the interview, and they'll be like, "Oh, it's amazing! How long have you been? How long have you been a writer?" Thinking, because they think I'm in the career of writing, and uh-huh. I say, "Oh, I've I'm, I actually don't get paid to write. I say I do it as a hobby." And I said, "Really, what my business is is I own one of the largest real estate firms in New England, and I'm powered by I say I've met all the coolest people." in the area and around the world because I'm very interested in how other people achieve success. They then start asking you all kinds of questions about who you are, where you came from, and they want to help you do business. So almost every interview becomes a two-way street where they want to help you do business. Okay. Thank you for clarifying because I I just wanted to make sure that that was actually happening because I know uh, people that are listening, uh, you know, are thinking the same thing. So I'm making sure I'm asking all the right questions. (laughs) Yes, and I also have to make sure. So after each appointment, I then put each person, because I want to stay in touch. Not everybody turns into a business relationship. A lot of them do turn into business relationships. Many of them turn into very close friends. Like my trip to Nevis, for example, was with, uh, in New England, many people will know him, but Ernie Bach Jr., who's a local auto magnate who's built a multi-billion dollar empire. But I went to Nevis and stayed at his house for four or five days, and I met him because I interviewed him. So many of these people end up becoming very close friends because you're starting the foundation of a friendship when you do this interview process. That being said, I put everybody into an email campaign. So I don't constantly email them stuff about my real estate company. Instead, what I do is they get my articles that I write. So I'm constantly putting out new articles about the cool people I've interviewed. 
So I stick every single interview I do on an email campaign. So each week they'll get an email from me with my newest interviews. And throughout the year I'll reach out to the key ones. Um, I'll host like networking events to bring my cool people all together in one room so they can meet uh-huh. each other. But um, So it's a process, but there's no faster way to build a massive sphere of influence than going out to your community and interviewing the movers, the shakers. And in the mortgage world, um, going out and interviewing the movers and shakers in the real estate world because I'll tell you, very, very rarely does somebody say no to an interview. Oh, absolutely, because everyone wants to talk about themselves. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Right. Which is why right. I'm on here. I want to talk right. about myself. So <laughs> <That's right. laughs> I, I find the time. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Uh, okay, so let me ask you um, a question about uh, the relationships that your agents have with realtor, uh, with loan officers. Is there any? Um, and and you and I and so I understand how we can have relationships with realtors and maybe uh, change this around to, Hey, I'd like to have, you know, coffee. Um, <laughs> And I'm not saying everybody mm-hmm. does this, but you know, I'd like to grab coffee with you and see if there's a basis for us to do business together. Okay, you know, another person who does mm-hmm. that. I, I, so I completely understand this. Love this. Love, love this technique. But what are some other things that you're seeing now in the marketplace that um, are either driving you nuts, or that you're seeing that's new and fresh that that you could um, provide some insight to us as we're listening. Um, listening in. And you may be too disconnected from the day-to-day, I'm not sure, but um, what are you hearing from your agents? What are they complaining about and what are they saying, wow, this is really cool? I think one of the cool things, like what you're doing now, it like providing value to real estate agents beyond being good at your job. So I think that like doing training programs or podcasts, like providing something of value just to get in front of real estate agents is unique. So the podcast, for example, I think is an awesome way to do that because it's non-confrontational. It's like, here's some value, take it or leave it. Um, Other than that, I'll say my pet peeve, and I think it's only because where I came from in the mortgage business, Uh but one of my pet peeves is I'm at the office all day long. I never see loan officers. Like, come in and visit. There's real estate agents, the good real estate agents, the best ones, they sit in the office all day. They're in their office prospecting. Like, don't be scared. They're human beings. Come in, stop by, bring bring coffee or donuts and come say hello because they're sitting there. They're waiting for somebody to come start a conversation. The other thing, and I did this when I was in the mortgage industry um, as well, is there's one place where real estate agents are all day Sunday, and that is open yep. houses. So. Mm-hmm. I spent my Sundays back then, and I still do it occasionally for recruiting purposes, but I put together uh, open house snack packages where I just put food, water, and like Survival a crossword kit. puzzle book. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I'd go, I'd work every Sunday from 10 o'clock in the morning till 5 o'clock at night. I would make a list of all the open houses, and I would stop by. I wouldn't be a nudge, and I'd just have conversations and build relationships with people. But my just from looking from the outside in and from where I came from, there's not a heck of a lot of super aggressive loan originators who go out and do those things. Because if you did it, 
I mean, you'll easily grab 10 or 20 real estate agents and you'll have a massive mortgage empire in a very short amount of time because you have no competition if you're doing that. Right. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because... Um and maybe it's a market issue. I don't know. But, you know, like I'm, I'm in Washington, D.C. So mm-hmm. um, the top producers are not in the office. Right. They are not. Um, and I'm meeting with them and having coffee and, you know, continuing to develop my relationships, you know, after 34 years. Um, yes. But they're not in the offices here. So I think it's real important for people to find out. You know, find out if that's the case. Um, totally agree with you with open houses, uh, especially for new people. You know, if they want to create some new relationships. You know, that's a perfect right. opportunity. Um, and up in up your way, because I used to live in Nashua, and work, Nashua, New Hampshire, and, and work in uh, Waltham and, yep. uh, for a mortgage company. And um, when it snows, you're all alone. Yes. <laughs> you're yes. all alone mm-hmm. in those houses. <laughs> so when the weather Yes, happens, absolutely. Great, great time to go out and do it, you know, and always having those sort of, you know, open house survival kits in your car so that, you know, you can always do it on any given weekend. So, right. um, well, wonderful. It's been absolutely great talking with you. Um, we really appreciate your time. And again, everyone, um, if you're interested in um, Stacy's book, please uh, look it up. I'm sure you're on Amazon Reach. Um, and are, are you a Kindle as well? Yes, so okay, uh, and great. Audible. You can listen to okay, it on great. Audible as well. Okay, wonderful, wonderful. So thank you so much for sharing your information with us and your insights. I, you know, the biggest takeaway I have is let's start interviewing real estate agents for the purpose of uh, sharing the interview with whatever medium you're going to be doing that with, uh, but sharing yes. it, not just to say you're interviewing them and then not um, providing that. I think everyone wants to be... Uh, talked about from the third person. There's some clout and clout, you know, yes. it's a great opportunity. So thank you again, Stacy, for um, joining us today. And I appreciate everybody listening in and we'll catch you next time on Mortgage Lending Mastery. Thank you for listening to Mortgage Lending Mastery. If you liked what you heard, please drop by iTunes and leave a comment or rating. Get more free email updates, transcripts, selling and education resources, and Jen's upcoming speaking events. Just visit our website at kineticsparkconsulting.com.